Welcome to Modern Aikido's podcast. Please help by liking, subscribing, and sharing this podcast if you're watching this on YouTube or BitChute. These are all free and help out a great deal. Word of mouth is how shows like this reach more people who are interested. Another way you can support this podcast is by way of a PayPal tip jar. You can leave a donation of any amount that you like or set up a monthly donation just like Patreon or Subscribestar. There's a link in the description. I sincerely appreciate your interest and support. Before I start, I want to correct a point from the previous podcast. Muay Thai fighters are based in Thailand, not the Philippines. Thanks to my listener for the correction. Now on with the podcast. One of the first podcast episodes I created mentioned the first and biggest crisis of faith that I experienced in Aikido, and it had to do with knife defenses. I'm going to elaborate on that subject in today's episode and go into some practical solutions for those who are interested in leaving the fantasy nonsense that is modern Aikido's knife work behind. I think calling attention to the glaring problem of Aikido's knife defenses will not sit well with some practitioners. Most of us have been taught knife disarms and defense techniques and were made to believe, and outright told, that these are valid and practical. These statements were reinforced with compelling demonstrations which were created from entirely non-realistic knife attacks. As long as we played the correct role as attacker, the Aikido techniques would work and convince us that the techniques themselves were valid. The problem is that we were programmed to attack in a certain way, which is not how real knife attacks usually work. The fact that we were ignorant to how actual knife attacks happen set the stage for us to be hoodwinked into believing what our instructors told us. I'm not blaming our instructors entirely either, as they were taught in the same fashion we were. They were just repeating what they were shown. The result was students and instructors stuck in a repeating signal loop, and the signal was bad. Yes, instructors are always responsible for what they teach, but it's not productive to merely assign blame. We need to focus on fixing the problem, not just complaining there is a problem. A few years after I started Aikido training, I was fortunate enough to start cross-training with a couple of law enforcement friends of mine. They had strong martial backgrounds too, but their profession led them to modify what they had learned to suit reality better. A knife attack is a very real and fairly common occurrence for police officers. I also had another friend who was a martial arts instructor with a robust real-world violence background and had him come to teach a seminar focused on the realities of the knife. This seminar, along with what I had started learning through the cross-training, served as a huge wake-up call for just how far off the mark almost all of what Aikido teaches regarding knife defenses are. A few years after I went through this, I noticed an article by Josh Gold of Aikido Journal where he went through almost the exact same experience that I did. The article is called Knife Defenses, Death by Disarm, and I will leave a link in the description section. Josh found, just as I did, that almost all of the Aikido curriculum and approach to knife disarms is woefully inadequate, to the point of being dangerous to students. The worst thing you can do is have false confidence when facing a knife-wielding attacker. During the knife seminar my guest showed, he had us go through the most enlightening exercise I think I've ever done in any martial arts setting. He had us all wear white t-shirts and armed our attackers with markers. If these were a knife, the blade would be less than an inch long. He had us go through two levels of this exercise. The first level was having the attacker stand in front of the defender and at about half speed try to put marks on the defender's t-shirt. Neither could move their feet, just use their hands to defend or disarm. He invited each of us defenders to use any of our disarming techniques we wished. Attackers could move their arms around and stop the disarm however they wanted to, but to try to keep marking the t-shirt however they could. 
Even slowly, this was an utter failure for each of the defenders. Then came the real exercise, the second level. Now, both parties could move around and use footwork. One would think disarming would be easier using the movement, and that people would have experienced more success. We didn't. I'll note that we not only had Aikidoka out there, but practitioners, instructor level included, from other martial arts, including ones from knife specialty arts. None of our disarmed techniques worked against an active, live, and motivated attacker. We went at both moderate and full speed, and with speed, the problems only got worse. The end result was that we had marker marks all over the shirts, our arms, hands, necks, and heads. Each of us would have been carved up like a Thanksgiving turkey. That was all with a blade less than an inch long. Had that blade been the typical four inches long or longer, it would have been even worse. Paul even brought in photographs of real knife wounds and showed the similarities to the marker marks we had on us. Among those photos was one of a wound that we did not simulate, which was a foot gashed almost in half. He explained that the photo was of someone who was taught to kick a knife out of an attacker's hand. It was a gruesome picture, and one which came from being taught a bad approach to knife disarms. This was one of the first seminars I brought a guest instructor in to teach at my dojo after it opened, and it was well worth the effort. Paul was kind enough to grant me permission to host the same material, and I've put on this seminar multiple times since then. Up until that point, I was strongly questioning the Aikido approach to knife defenses and was resisting teaching them myself. Since my dojo was fairly new, I chose to focus on my new students without needing to address the knife defense work. That seminar was the straw that broke the camel's back. I decided that I needed to overhaul the knife defense curriculum to reflect reality. Later, I would take a similar approach with empty hand techniques too, but these were not nearly as far off the base as the knife defenses were. When it came to the knife, I had to go back to the drawing board. Every single thing had to be scrutinized. While there were a few morsels worth saving, these were minor. What wasn't there was a solid foundation. That had to be built entirely from scratch. I looked around at all kinds of sources, and I didn't find material even from knife fighting arts to be very compelling. That kind of surprised me, but it's true that many martial arts have drifted away from reality, sometimes too far to be useful or practical. At best, one could find some morsels, but just like Aikido, a solid foundation was missing or incomplete. As I redesigned the approach to dealing with the knife, I realized it went far deeper than merely changing the attacks the knife wielder used. Yes, doing Shomenuchi, Yokomenuchi, and Munetsuki with a knife are ridiculous and non-realistic. The deeper problem was that real knife attacks are not duels. Attackers don't set up out of range and lunge in with a deep committed attack. Real knife attacks tend to be savage ambushes, where the attacker rushes in and peppers the target with multiple stabs. It's brutal and vicious. There is no arm hanging out to grab and ensnare, as Aikido tends to practice. That knife is flying around at high speed, and you have about as much luck trying to grab a fly out of the air. Even trying to build an approach on this concept is starting in the wrong place, and that is where current Aikido knife defenses start. Going from square one, if you see a knife, you have to get away from it or you will get cut up. The marker drill reinforced this principle. You must put distance, and preferably a hard obstacle, in between you and that knife. It might be moving behind a tree, furniture, or other obstacle. You could try running away outright, which is a great option, if it's available. Sometimes these situations happen where the victim is cornered and running away is not an option. 
Public bathrooms are common locations for knife holdups for this very reason. If you can get behind something, do it. The next step is to get a weapon of your own. I'm not talking about your own knife or even a gun here. Neither will help protect you from a cut or a stab. Knives and guns are not defensive tools. They are offensive tools only. It is true that you might stop a knife attacker by shooting him, but many accounts exist of violent people continuing to attack despite being shot numerous times. So even shooting someone might not stop them from killing you with a knife. Don't use movie and TV violence as an indicator of what real violence is like. A gun is not the magic solution that many believe it is. Improvised weapons are fantastic, and everyday items like notebooks, clipboards, water bottles, chairs, wastebaskets, belts, and countless others can help keep a knife wielder at enough distance to keep that knife out of your body. I find a chair is particularly effective at this. It isn't sexy like most martial arts weaponry, but it works better than any other. You will often see instructors say that you should get away from a knife first and only tangle with a knife wielder if you have no choice, which is absolutely true. Then they go on to spend a lot of time engaging with the knife. They don't guide practice to include getting clear of the knife and getting an improvised weapon as quickly as possible. This should be your go-to and practiced. The difficult part is setting up an environment to drill that. In the real world, every environment is different and therefore cannot be simulated very well. An effort has to be made to reinforce the correct first responses, though. Get away from a knife if you see it, get behind some cover, and get a weapon. This should be drilled enough to be the reaction. Of course, we need to teach and practice what we do when the attacker is already close. As I said before, real knife attacks are usually ambushes, not duels. It's very common for knives not to be seen at all in a fight. An ambush gives little warning before it happens. There are many accounts of police officers getting into minor scuffles and they don't discover until after their shift is over that they got stabbed. That is when they remove their shirt and see that there's blood all over the place. They all make the same comment. It felt like I got punched. I never felt the knife. If you are ever in a scuffle or attack, even if you never see a knife, check your body for cuts or stab wounds as quickly as possible. As for specific techniques I have found which give you the best chance of survival, I will only make these two comments. First, I cannot explain them here. What I will say is that they involve gross motor skills, not fine or precise movements. The reasoning there is that in the fear of a lethal attack, you will be so adrenalized that fine motor control will not be available to you. No matter how cool a customer you think you are, your body will not function how it does in the sterile environment of a dojo when you are among friends and fellow students. It just won't. Any technique which relies on precise grips, subtle movements, and is complicated at all will be completely useless when you see your life flash before your eyes. If you don't believe it, give your uke a wooden sword and tell him to kill you. Not just throw out an attack and let you look good, but make like he is marking up your t-shirt. If he isn't holding back and letting you get technique, you will start to feel a little of how frantic you will be in that situation. It isn't pretty and most Aikido has a difficult time functioning when you are in this adrenalized state. My favorite story to reinforce this concept is one I heard secondhand about a rather famous MMA trainer local to me. His name, I believe, is Greg Nelson. He's an elite-level martial artist and coach, and has a splendid reputation as being experienced and competent. A truly dangerous man from everything I've heard. He has the skill and knowledge to train competitors and champions, the guy clearly is the real deal and knows his martial arts. Anyway, 
The story is that Greg had a guy pull a knife on him and tried to stab him. Greg gets a hold of the attacker's forearm with both hands and a strong grip. He moves his hips and body away and keeps a strong stance just to keep control over the knife. At that point, he forgets everything he knew about martial arts. The attacker is writhing around trying to figure out how to get the knife into Greg. They are deadlocked for a few seconds, which he said seemed like minutes. Then, it occurs to Greg to start kicking at the attacker's legs as he keeps a firm hold of the arm with the knife in it. The attacker starts kicking back, and they look like two schoolchildren scrapping in a playground. This really doesn't have any effect on either of them. Then, Greg says he doesn't remember what happened next, but all he recalls is throwing a chair at the attacker, and that ended the exchange. Evidently, one or both of them decided to run off, and then it was over. This was a world-class martial artist with a massive repertoire of all kinds of dangerous techniques. Faced with a lethal exchange, and his mind couldn't access any of them. It is clearly not a lack of skill, training, or even enough techniques to perform. The fear and adrenalized state were too much and overcame his remarkable skill and training. The best estimation I can think of is that perhaps he didn't train much against knife attacks and it was out of his element. Sport fighting doesn't include knives, so why train against them? If this is the case, and that is what happened, then we could call this a hole in someone's training. It would be better to approach self-defense training to emulate as close as possible the conditions one might need to protect yourself. To be clear, I'm not taking anything away from Coach Nelson or his training. The lesson here is that even someone of his impressive skills and experience is not immune to the adrenalized state or fear. Being in excellent physical condition and having a robust repertoire did not turn him into John Wick either. This is the reality of violence and knife attacks. My second comment is regarding the expectation that you will deftly avoid being injured and will gracefully throw and disarm your attacker. This is pure fantasy. What will happen with the real attacker will be ugly, brutal, and anything but elegant or pretty. Give up on the idea that Aikido will be aesthetically pleasing or pristine. You have the job of saving your life, and you must do so no matter what. Any hesitation or objection to applying a temi, which is striking your attacker, you must give up on. In fact, taking his mind away from stabbing you must become your top priority. You are no longer merely trying to control his body. You must change his mind immediately. Make him concerned for his own safety as you do your best to protect yourself from getting cut or stabbed. Everything is on the line, and you only have the rest of your life to solve the problem in front of you at the moment. That could be only seconds. Remove any idea that you must limit yourself in order to protect your attacker. Doing so might cost you your life. It can be over in the blink of an eye. Unlike empty-handed attacks, someone can take a number of punches or strikes before going down. With a knife, one good cut or stab could end you, and you could bleed out in a matter of a minute or two. Treat a knife or deadly weapon with the gravity it deserves. I find modern Aikido fails to do this and instead chooses to make light of the knife, despite the reality that at normal ranges it's far more effective and dangerous than a handgun. If you've not experienced a crisis of faith yet in regards to Aikido's knife defenses, I encourage you to do so. It's not a pleasant experience, rejecting what you've been told for years and even decades. However, it is a fiction told in an echo chamber which people tend to agree is true, but that doesn't make it true. I much prefer the ugly truth to a pretty lie. Believing a falsehood to be true will cause pain sooner or later. In the case of knife defenses, false belief could get you easily injured or killed. 
I believe we instructors have a duty not to jeopardize our students by implanting false beliefs and confidence in them. We must break the chain of what we were taught and passing it along as gospel. One might think that merely notifying students what I'm about to teach you is not useful at all and should not be used against a knife-wielding attacker before you pass along bad teachings might seem viable. But what's the point of that? Why waste practice time on things which provide no practical use? Or worse, reinforce what not to do in a lethal exchange. Our duty as instructors is to improve the odds of survival for our students, not reduce them. There is far more to the subject than I can go into here. That must be done on the mat. What I hope to do with this podcast is to convey the fundamental principles and approach to studying surviving a knife attack. I'm currently in the process of filming some of the knife defense approaches that I've adopted for the Spirit Aikido online program, and will share those with subscribers. Some instructors believe that since knives are so dangerous, that there's no point to even training to deal with them. I'm not fond of this approach because it feels like you're giving up entirely. It seems to me that we must train to do the best we can in such situations. There are things you can do to improve your odds, and we should train them as best we can. They could make the difference between life and death. What do you think? Please share your ideas in the comments if you're watching this on YouTube, or go to the Facebook group Aikido the Martial Side and post a comment. The Spirit Aikido online program is now live. Subscribers get access to video training and mentoring to techniques and training methods I've adopted from other martial arts to make my Aikido more practical. There's a link in the description section. I invite you to check it out. I always enjoy hearing from listeners of the show, whether through comments or questions. Thank you all for sharing your interest. Enjoy your training.